0: Alyssa Rappaport gave birth to a stillborn daughter in 2016. She soon discovered the lack of support systems in Israel for those facing pregnancy and infant loss. So with her mother, Rebecca, she co-founded Candles of Hope. A Good People Fund grantee, Candles of Hope builds and provides resources for support and it breaks the silence by making pregnancy and infant loss visible. Alyssa discusses her journey with GPF Executive Director Naomi Eisenberger. For more information, visit the websites listed in our program notes. Here's Alyssa and Naomi in conversation.
1: Alyssa, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. Tell us a little bit about Candles of Hope and what you do and why you are doing it.
0: Thank you. Um, So nice to be with you here. Candles of Hope is an Israeli nonprofit organization that I started a couple of years ago, along with my mother. We are the Israeli national support organization for women and families that have experienced pregnancy and infant loss. And that can be anywhere along the pregnancy journey, experiencing loss. And this organization was born essentially from my own personal experience of pregnancy loss, unfortunately. My first pregnancy, we discovered a complication quite late in the pregnancy that ended up leading to a late term termination and having to give birth to a stillborn baby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you can imagine, that was extremely traumatic for myself and, and my partner and my entire family and we found ourselves really quite alone throughout the whole process. I I grew up, I was born and I grew up in Australia and I made Aliyah 13 years ago. So I had already lived in Israel for a long time and I'm fluent in Hebrew. We still felt really alone and unsupported by the system here, by the, the whole healthcare system, you know, during that whole process of coming to terms with having to terminate a pregnancy and go through a stillbirth and then afterwards dealing with the grief and loss and just fog of what had happened, I really actively sought out support. Um, I tried to find a support group. um, And I just found that the services that I expected weren't available. And, you know, I shared that frustration with my mom and uh, her being the sort of go-getter that she was. And my mom actually passed away last year it's funny to say last year because we're in 2022 now that's the first time i've actually said that she passed away in april of last year um and she was really the driving force behind establishing this organization anyway in australia there is such a national support organization so um you know she said to me like why isn't there something like that in israel and you know we should really establish it it's such a need and it's so important we we found Amazing people here in Israel, professionals in different aspects of this field. And they really jumped on board and also recognized and saw the need. You know, we did a lot of research. We spent a lot of time talking to people, trying to understand what services did exist, what didn't exist. And basically, we came to fill a gap and to be an umbrella organization at a national level to provide services that are missing and to try to do advocacy work and work with the healthcare system with the government um obviously like on the ground with women and families providing support services providing information and just trying to improve the unfortunate situation that so many families in Israel find themselves in because this is something that happens it's not going away you know it's very taboo and it's not really talked about so much although that's slowly changing um, you know and that's also part of what we're doing you know trying to raise awareness and make people more comfortable in dealing With this and discussing it
1: you know so many of our programs were started by individuals who had gone through what can only be described as a traumatic loss that probably has to be one of the hardest things that you might do with your life although perhaps after you get beyond a certain point you get more of a positive satisfaction from it than the pain that initiated it is that is that accurate
0: absolutely Uh, you couldn't have put it better really I mean at the time obviously it was the most traumatic thing that I could imagine but you know that was back in 2016 thankfully I've gone on to have two beautiful healthy daughters so that certainly helped (laughs) but um you know having candles of hope and getting to work with the amazing people that I work with in establishing the organization and running it and knowing that we're helping other families that are going through similar experiences, you know, it really sort of sweetens the horrible experience that I went through. You know, it gives it purpose and it wasn't just something that happened and, you know, life goes on and you forget about it. No, it's like, it's with me every day and it doesn't, like you say, it's not, painful in the way that it used to be but it's always with me and it you know it's shaped really kind of who I've become and what I'm doing and it's certainly changed my life and gave me a different perspective on things and a a different appreciation yeah it's enabled me to go on and, and do this important work and try to make a difference here and help families that really need the help because they do you know despite the fact that it was six years ago and there has been a lot of change in the field and there's a lot more awareness and there is a lot more happening even organically at a grassroots level, there are still Mm -hmm. huge gaps and we hear about it almost daily, you know, through people that come into contact with us and women and families that reach out. You know, we're hearing time and time again about the needs that are still not being met, which makes us, you know, feel how important our
1: work really is is there one particular story or two that sticks out in your mind as as being particularly impactful
0: one interesting one that comes to mind a woman reached out through facebook and she you know had was in the process actually of going through a pregnancy loss and i'm not sure exactly like how it came about that she was living in israel she wasn't a native israeli born and she actually wasn't jewish i think she must have married an israeli she wanted to understand like what her um burial options were for the baby because you know as you probably know in you know in the jewish religion there's um what they call the keva achim it's like the communal grave for babies um and she felt really uncomfortable with that concept not being Jewish, I mean, I think even a lot of Jewish people don't feel comfortable with that, but that's the way it happens in Israel, which is different than exactly how it happens in America or in Australia. You know, if a Jewish baby is born, still born abroad, they're still buried in an individual grave. But here in Israel, that's not how it is. Anyway, so she was trying to understand what her options were for burying her baby and just really had no idea like where to turn and the hospital wasn't really able to kind of give her much information other than that this is what would happen. And she was really like at a loss and she actually posted on a Facebook group that I happened to be part of. And, you know, I reached out to her and we were able to give her information and connect her and explain to her the different options, because there are different options, um, you know, for non-Jewish families here in Israel. So that, you know, that's something that, that comes to mind just to show that, you know, there are so many different stories and family types and obviously religions. You know, there are also non-Jewish people living here in Israel. And, in fact, we also got contacted by um, a Christian but Muslim hospital in East Jerusalem mm-hmm. that, you know, typically don't cater to the Jewish population But it just so happened that they actually did have a Jewish couple that came in and the woman had a stillbirth, well, you know, at their hospital. And they, in fact, didn't know what to do in that situation with a Jewish family. You know, you'd think that here in Israel, no matter what hospital, they would know what to do with a a Jewish stillborn child, but they didn't. And we were able to help them and help the family and, you know, make sure they got the, the care and attention that they needed. So we, we get all kinds of sort of, I guess you could say, interesting cases finding us and, and needing our assistance. And, we, you know, we just try to provide the information where we can and to offer the support
1: services as well. Does Candles of Hope address the multicultural nature of Israeli population? It was a very
0: definite uh, goal of ours to cater to all aspects of Israeli society—Jewish, Muslim, Christian, unaffiliated—absolutely. Right. And we also aspire to be multilingual. I mean, at the moment, our website is in Hebrew and English, but we do the next language will be Arabic, and we do translate it into other languages. We have information on our website about the different religions and different practices for burial and so on, and we've also talked about trying to run workshops you know for women in the bedouin community and you know because this is a a cross cultural cross religion you know doesn't matter unfortunately um there's no discrimination here and uh, women across religions are experiencing pregnancy loss obviously there are different cultural nuances and sensitivities that need to be addressed you know, these examples that I gave you just show that the need is there across communities and the majority is Jewish, but we're really here to to help and serve everybody. And that was really important to us from the beginning. We've also had approaches from like peripheral communities. You know, mm-hmm. we were contacted by um, a midwife up in the north of Israel that wanted us to run a workshop, you know, for her mm-hmm. community, for her um, hospital. Right. You know, and and these are communities that obviously like, you know, less well-funded and, you know, they're in the periphery in every sense of the word. We've had a couple of requests like that and and we, you know, are very happy to cater to those communities because, of course, they have the same experiences as people here in the centre of the country. You know, and interestingly, that's one of the, I think, the benefits of COVID is that the distance is not as much as an issue as it maybe once was. Right.
1: I'm just thinking of all of the different, you know, pieces of the mosaic that make up Israel and the, the other one that comes to my mind so much because of our own involvement in that community, but the migrant community. Has there been any contact in that community?
0: No, we haven't, we haven't actually been in touch with that community at all. And it's a very good point. And I know there are certain NGOs working in Israel, yeah. um, you know, for women's health and just yeah. health in general, access to healthcare for that community. So it's probably worth us reaching out.
1: You mentioned earlier, you know, that your your mother, Rebecca, was really instrumental in, in helping you found Candles of Hope. Obviously, her involvement is, you know, is indicative of the fact that this is not a tragedy that strikes only the mother or the partner, mother and the partner, but the entire family.
0: You're right that it's a far-reaching trauma, I guess you could say, you know, and in our experience, I'm the eldest of two children and this was going to be the first grandchild in the family. So there was a lot of excitement. My mom was, you know, really eager and waiting to become a grandmother, the loss and the shock and the disappointment, you know, on that level, but also becoming a mother myself. I didn't actually at the time think about it from this perspective, but for her seeing me as her daughter going through the pain and the loss and just how difficult that must've been for her as my mother. You know, that's probably one of the worst possible things you can imagine that your daughter would have to go through. And there was nothing she could do, you know, other than try to be there for me emotionally. But, you know, it was so hard for her watching me go through it. She also wanted to help connect me to support services and find groups for me to join and so on. And, and she was, more frustrated than i was actually that these services didn't exist it it, it got her really angry <laughs> that these services didn't exist in israel and that was really what drove us to start the organization but but for sure like the trauma was was family wide and it does it affects the whole family and people don't always know how to respond and what to say and you know even family members don't know what to say and how to respond we haven't yet run a group for for grandparents you know the parents of but we do aspire to and it's a model that we have seen in other organizations internationally Mm -hmm. um, that have grandparents support groups so that's something that we hope to one day run yeah I think it's really important because it provides not only support to those you know grandparents but tools to help them help their daughters and sons go through it.
1: I know in one of in our, I think our first conversation, you mentioned something about people not getting the support that they need at the time and that that can have clearly long-term consequences. And it's not only
0: that, I, and I have heard from women, you know, that had a loss 30, 40 years ago and never spoke about it until they came across you know, a support group that's happening these days and decided to come along and open up about it, which is incredible, you know, to hear that. But beyond that, there's actually been studies conducted and one of our founding board members, Professor Danny Horish, he and um, Malka Nukrian, who's also on our board, she's a midwife at Hadassah Hospital in Jerusalem, and she's been running support groups for women that have experienced pregnancy loss for the last 15 or 20 years. And they did a study together, like an actual, you know, professional research study um, on a group of women. And the study was published and there was an article written about it in Haaretz, both in English and in Hebrew. And actually it was when, when I, my mum and I read that article, that's how we came across Danny and Malka and mm-hmm. we approached them and they, became part of our founding board. Anyway, their study shows that women that go through pregnancy and infant loss, you know, and don't get the support that they need have very high rates of undiagnosed PTSD. The study found that the more, I guess, quickly the women get support and deal with the experience, the less likely they are to experience this post-traumatic stress. You know, it just shows how important immediate support emotional support is for women going through pregnancy loss and it was a really quite I think it was a really important finding to give recognition and legitimacy to the grief and the experience that women go through you know here in Israel as a society you know PTSD is very well recognized but it's normally associated with with the army with battle with with you know terrorist attacks with you know, the stress of living, you know, with the conflict here, you know, these days with COVID, you know, being in isolation and and so on. So, you know, Israeli society is very well accustomed to, to the concept of post-traumatic stress disorder, but this study really gave legitimacy to recognizing that women that go through pregnancy loss, it's a serious, it can be a serious right. trauma if not dealt with properly. You know, that is also one of our, I guess, guiding forces. We, we know that and we recognize it. And, and Danny is on our board and he's really active. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is Malpa. And and they know from their own experience and from their study how important it is that, that women and families get the help that they need when they need it. And unfortunately, it's still not happening in a lot of cases.
1: What actual things have you put into place
0: First of all, we provide information. So we have quite a a detailed website. We have a database on our website that's active and up to date, listing professionals that specialize in providing mental health services and guidance to families that go through pregnancy loss. So, you know, if, if you've gone through a pregnancy loss and you live in Jerusalem, you can go into our database and search for Jerusalem, and you'll come up with a list of people that provide services in your area. And if you're looking for you know, a clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist or a social worker, you can search Mm -hmm. by these different criteria. And if you're looking for somebody that does groups or an individual therapy, you can search Mm -hmm. by that criteria. So that's one thing. The services that are out there are now sort of centralized and accessible. And even that I think is an achievement because it doesn't exist anywhere else. And those services are like impossible to sort of come by People don't know where to turn. They, they don't know how to find these services. Not only are they there on the database, but, you know, often we'll get, you know, we've been around long enough now that people know of us and anyone that sort of touches on this field knows that we exist. So we get approaches saying, you know, I've got a, a family in this area and they're looking for some, somebody to, to help them. Um, you know, so we get these personal requests and we're able to connect people. So that's one achievement. We're doing online support groups. And again, thank you COVID. (laughs) Because, you know, probably we wouldn't be doing them online if it wasn't for COVID. But I actually think that it's a really great medium for this type of support. People can come along from the comfort of their own living room, which is sometimes less confronting than having to come and sit in around a group So I think it opens it up to people that wouldn't necessarily have joined a group otherwise. And it also takes away the geographical boundaries. So far it's just been women, but women from all over the country can join. And we actually had a woman, an Israeli woman in America join the group that was, you know, really based out of Israel, but she was joining from the U S we ran our, our first annual conference, uh, which again was an online conference. So we had a, Um, like a half day conference and um, 150 people from around the country joined the conference conference with speakers from Mm -hmm. across the different professional aspects of this field, addressing, you know, different topics of, of stillbirth and pregnancy loss. So that's another achievement. We've also started doing some, I guess like advocacy lobbying work with the Knesset to try to push for more institutional level change. So that's something that we're actively doing because a couple of years back, there was a a protocol. It it was established and written over a number of years. And it was a very detailed, well-researched protocol that was put together and approved by the Knesset on how hospitals should be dealing with and managing cases Mm -hmm. of pregnancy loss within the hospital system. The fact that it was created and approved is an amazing achievement in and of itself. However, the fact that it was approved is great, but if nobody actually implements it, then what did we achieve at the end of the day? Nothing. We're trying to generate some accountability.
1: What do you see as the next steps?
0: Yeah, so I would really like to see our helpline established. I'd like to see our website be more multilingual and our information services be more multilingual Um, because I think that's really important. Um, You know, we've touched on that, reaching out to the different population groups here in Israel. I think those are like the sort of like immediate things that I'd like to see happen in the short term and and more long term, I guess, institutional change, because, you know, that takes time. So (laughs) I don't want to be too ambitious and say that's a a near term goal. But, you know, a, a lot of these things I think should be happening here just on a government health care yep. system level like they shouldn't need to be provided by the third sector they they should they're so basic and fundamental because this is this is like a women's health issue you know this is not a niche sort of topic no, no. it's it's so widespread it's and it, it affects it. exactly like it affects almost one in four families experience some kind of pregnancy loss it might be like an early term miscarriage right. but still that's a trauma um, for a lot yeah. of women. So, you know, it's not a side issue, you know. So it needs to it needs to be recognized more fundamentally. So I think that's sort of a, a more long-term goal bringing about that more institutional societal change.
1: Other than, you know, clearly financial support, how can individuals help women and families who are who have gone through this?
0: Yeah, I think on an individual level, I think, you know, when people come across somebody that they know that has experienced a pregnancy loss to just recognize it and, and acknowledge it. And, you know, people don't always know what to say. All you really need to say is like, I'm so sorry for your loss. Like that must've been so difficult. I'm really sorry. And that's really all it takes. You know, I think a lot of the time people are not sure what to say or if to say something or not to say something because they don't want to upset the person. They feel awkward about it. I, I think just recognizing it. So that, that's one thing that people can do and yeah, not saying things like, oh, don't worry, you'll get pregnant again soon or you're only young, not diminishing it basically. I think that's what it really comes down to, you know, it's, it's such a horrible experience. You know, that just needs to be recognized and not just, not just for the woman, you know, for the partner or, you know, usually the man, but for whatever partner it is, it's a loss for everyone involved. And, and that's, that's actually, interestingly, another thing that's really taken off here in Israel is the, the recognition of the father's experience. And their loss is no, it's different, but it's no less uh, a loss. That's also really important. So what can the average person do? Just recognize the experience of the couple. I think that would be a great start. Well <laughs> That would make a difference. Yeah.
1: You know, over the years that I have been in the nonprofit world, Every once in a while somebody is brings a subject out of the darkness. And this is one of those times. And I don't mean it to sound trite since you're called candles of hope, but everybody knows that this situation exists, but nobody really did very much about it. You know, the work that you're doing is so critically important.
0: Well, thank you so much, Naomi, and your support means so much to me on a personal level and to us as an organization. Yeah, let's hope for a healthy and happy year ahead. I hope so. And continued great work together.